0: One of the things I love about Sting is that he's not afraid to do quite complex things with his music, or not afraid to kind of push the boundaries. I mean, three other songs on that album are in odd time signatures. Was it "Love Is Stronger Than Justice"? I think that's in seven eight. Seven Days is in five four. Saint Augustine in Hell is in seven eight. Who does that? Who does that anymore? Who, who, music anymore decides to do things in odd, odd meters? Greetings! Welcome back to the Guitar Swords podcast. We are here with another episode of the pod this week. Kieran and I talking about our Desert Island Discs each of us have chosen the five albums that we would be happy to listen to for the rest of eternity knowing that we could listen to nothing else we've considered everything we've cast our ears on over the many years we've been avid music fans and although this list could change depending on the time of day they will always be there or thereabouts in our list of favourite albums play along with us make your own list head on over to the Guitar Geek Hangout to let us know what albums you would have chosen for your purpose personal stay on a desert island for the rest of eternity. Anyway, the usual housekeeping as always. Remember to like and subscribe to this podcast so you won't miss the next show. We've got a link tree in the description of this podcast. That provides you with quick and easy links to our podcast page on Spotify, the backing track solo challenges we've recently produced, and some excellent Spotify playlists related to previous shows. But if you click on one link only, make it the Guitar Smarts Guitar Geek Hangout page on Facebook where you can get to know many other guitar nerds just like us. You can also find a link there to our Buy Me A Coffee page where you can donate to the show, which is entirely self-funded. And thank you to our recent contributor, Graham Like. We certainly like your contribution and remain eternally grateful. Thanks, Graham. Anyway, that's about enough from me. Let's get to it. Hey, Kieran, my old mate. How are you keeping? Had a good week? I am good. I'm good. It's all right. It's
1: been all right so far, but I tell you what, autumn is definitely here. It's October now. It's raining. <gasps> it's miserable outside, but inside it is warm and it is
0: filled with guitar <laughs> dreams. <laughs> so much is coming to reality. From, you know, I mean, I've had a bit of a, a, a mad one for me this week. I did, I was looking on eBay the other week yeah. and I just, I was like, just looking for guitar bodies and things. Cause you remember we were talking about potentially building a parts caster. It's <laughs> kind of, it kind of escalated. <laughs> well, <it> escalated <laughs> to say the least, my yeah. friend. So it started off like, the,
1: I think the conversation was this Squire Tally that I've bought. I mean, I really like it, but I think the frets might be a little bit too, uh, too narrow and thin on it. So, I'm thinking about maybe getting it refretted with bigger frets. That's that's how this started. Let's be clear. We've gone from fret wire. We've gone from fret wire to something very, very different. So where where are we at now?
0: Oh, We're at an entirely new guitar build. Yeah. <laughs> fantastic it escalated quickly it yeah, really did yeah i was kind of like well i just saw this body i saw this body for sale like the second hand um older, guitar body just to be clear the guitar body so yeah that's a good yeah. point yeah wasn't kind of yeah out. i thought if i can get this for like you know 50 quid or something like that and maybe I, and i did i got it for about 50 quid and um and it's just, it's flawless, you know, it's absolutely, really? absolutely flawless, you know, perfectly finished, um, body in gold, you know, really nice gold oh, sparkle, mate. I thought. It looks awesome. Yeah. How did get you get that for 50 quid? I, I don't know. I don't know. It's, I'm pretty certain it would probably be like a couple of hundred quid brand new. And this yeah. guy selling it on eBay just had it pretty poorly kind of set up for sale so it wasn't being bid on too much and i managed to mm. pick it up and i thought i've got a bit of birthday money as well and some amazon vouchers i'm going to see if i can just get all this yes. kit together pretty cheaply yeah. and try and put something yeah. together that's sort of about an equivalent spec to my mexican kind of uh um uh strat that i've got and uh you know i've managed to be able to do it pretty much you know just using you know my birthday money and um these amazon vouchers but the biggest steal i got is is a a, my good friend connor um has sold me an old set of lace sensor pickups you know gold the gold lace sensors and he's 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 only taken 50 quid for them which is the clapton the clapton the the clapton ones yeah so not the mid boost but just the pickups so that's what it's going to get so it's going to end up being like this maple net gold uh um, like a strap plus kind of basically is what it's going to end up being but um
1: Mate, Yeah.
0: Me. Yeah.
1: You've done blindingly well there. <laughs> yeah, no. you, you've put an absolute blinder. Yeah. Connor, I don't know what you're thinking, man. 50 quid. <laughs> I mean, I know Matt's a lovely guy and all, and you guys are friends and whatever, but 50 quid for a set of lace sensors. I slightly that's like a... I'm
0: taking advantage of him. But, you know, <laughs> the, the thing not, is, he not. said he said, you know, he said he doesn't really care about the money. He said, just give me first shout on him if you change him out again at another point. You know, so I was like, nice. of course, no problem at all. Right. Nice. Um, so that. they should arrive that. in the post anytime soon along with everything else. I, I love that. You're caretaking them for him <laughs> for like a, an amount of pretty quaint. Yeah.
1: At some point they might migrate back to him at some yeah. point who knows. You know? Yeah, exactly. Have those pickups have those pickups played some world stages because Connor's Connor's no, a serious musician. No, I don't musician, think so. Man.
0: He he yeah, he's done some good gigs. He's done some big gigs out there um being you know, he's been James Morrison's guitarist and, you know, various other people and done some good gigs. But I think he's always changed his Clapton Strat less Sensors out for the Noiseless. He prefers the, yeah. the, the more recent Noiseless pickups. So, because yeah. when I yeah. met him at ACM, he had the Clapton Strat with the Lace Sensors. And then yeah. around the same time, he bought another Clapton Strat, a black one, uh, with the Noiseless pickups. And he preferred that, so he changed out the less Sensors. So I think these lace sensors have basically been sat around for about twenty years, you know. Yeah,
1: the jury's out. The jury's out on those ones. I've I've, I've listened to some AB kind of recordings of people putting the taking the lay sensors out, putting the noiseless in. I mean, there's very little in it, but I mean, well, from what I can gauge from from watching videos and stuff. But um, yeah, yeah, I mean, equally equally accomplished pickups. Really, really good, really good set of pickups. Mm. Um, hey, look! Look. Speaking of which, look what's behind me. What's, be, what's behind you? What's in the box? What's in the box? Oh my God! So it's, it's like a moment from Seven, isn't it? on a minute, you want going to go and get what's in the box. I've just noticed that the that there's, a,
0: there's a guitar case behind you with a label on it. Did you go to Guitar Village the other day? Is that what it is? Look, I did go to Guitar Village Uh-oh. the other day. Uh, yeah, it's
1: a tweed case. It's a, tweet it's case. a tweed hold case. Tweed case as
0: well. Okay. Okay. Okay, so Kieran's now for our listeners. Kieran's now wandering over to his guitar case and opening up something brand new. I don't know what it is. Have you bought yours? Is it demos? <laughs> it's a Clapton Strat. It's a black Clapton Strat. Yeah. No, I was I was I was talking I was talking uh, listeners through what I was seeing, and I think I'm seeing a Clapton Strat. You know, was Is that Derek Clapton? Strang. Yeah, it's it not mine. Oh, ah, yeah, it's teased. not mine. I, just, I know. I'm such a tease. <laughs> a, no, it's um,
1: it's not mine. Sorry, my audio went horrible. No, there. That's um, Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've just set it up for him. But look, sacrilege among sacrilege. The wooden block. I'm holding up the wooden block. Is the he wooden taking block it is out? no more. Yeah, I've done it. I've set it up um, with a floating trem for him. Oh, so, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because. Um, yeah, he's got a gig coming up. He's doing uh How about this for a Depp gig? He's doing a Pink Floyd, like a fairly prestigious Pink Floyd yeah. tribute band. I heard...
0: Uh, I heard. Cause he's, you've heard. Uh, oh, you've heard. His, yeah. Well, because he, he's bought a helix for it, and he's he's messaged yes. me like saying, "Can you give me some tips?" And I'm like, "Are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? for the deluge of, of <laughs> the wisdom is coming? <laughs> this is the stuff you can do, sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> Let me talk to you about." So I've been uh, I've been routinely blowing his mind with what you can actually do with the helix and uh, he's like oh really i get it now so see that's the thing the helix it's not about the sounds it's not about the tones it's not like well helix doesn't sound like an amp. like anyone who works or uses a helix don't care whether or not it sounds like a real amp or not it's about the stuff you can't do with real amps the flexibility it gives you the programming you know the ability to crossfade between two to completely different rigs with your expression pedal you know, things mm. like that. It, there's, there's, you know, there's flexibilities in the Helix that you cannot achieve without it. That's why the Helix is so great. The ta- the tones are great, obviously, but it's almost by the by when you start thinking about, oh man, I've got some serious flexibility here, you know, in, in my rig because of this. Uh, things I can't do, you know, change. I can switch between two entirely different rigs if I want Um you know, there's so much you can do. It's that—that's the thing. That's the discovery you've got to make with modeling stuff. Mm. It's mm. not about trying to sound like an amp in a room. It's—it's it's about having flexibility in your sound that you can have consistent from gig to gig. That's the selling point. But anyway, we digress. We got <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I think you just did an entire advert for, for Helix there. You should be sponsored by Line 6. <laughs>
0: it should be, really. It should be. So, and also, I've got to say, the Helix has been out for about seven, eight years now. It's about time Line 6 brought something new out, because Fender have just brought out the Tone Master Pro, which is the, they um, have modelling thing. Um, new, new, the Neural DSP have just updated theirs with new software, etc., Obviously, Kemper's, um, uh, I think, just mm-hmm. done some updates too. Um, the Fractal FM9 is very recent in the last couple of years, and that's super. So, Helix is still holding its own, but it's old now. It is getting old. We're really ready for the Helix 2. So, let's see what Line 6 do in the next couple of years.
1: But, but anyway. Interesting. I still think they've probably got market leadership with it, though. I still think yeah. it's the, the number one, isn't it? But I yeah. think
0: bang for buck, it's up there with the
1: best. For sure.
0: But anyway. Right, Matt, shall we crack on with this week's chat?
1: Yeah, let's. I'm looking forward to this one. It, this yeah. was an agonising one. This was almost torturous in its, in its fun factor. It well, was that's, that's why equally it. bittersweet.
0: Yeah. That, that's why I did it. <laughs> I knew to, bit to mess
1: pissed. with our heads this week. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Okay, so this week we have decided that we are going to choose and talk about our five Desert Island Discs. Okay, everyone knows the concept, yep. Desert Island Discs. It's the albums you would listen to and take with you if you were to be stranded on a desert island for the rest of your mm-hmm. days. What albums could you could you not live without? What What albums would you happily listen to on repeat and never get bored of? I mean, you might get bored of, maybe, but... You've got five. You've got some variety, at least. It would take you longer to get bored, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think we've both got basically like five Desert Island Discs and five kind of honourable mentions or like a ten to six kind of yeah. countdown, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: I I mean, I hate this question normally, right? When people find out that I, I play music or play in bands or I, or whatever and they're not musicians, one of the things that they assume is that I know everything about music, like... You know, so that I'll always get picked to answer the music questions in a pub quiz or whatever. You're a musician; you must know everything about every band ever, which is clearly not not the case. (laughs) And then they also, and then once they once they've kind of got over that bit, then they're like, "What's your favourite album? What's your favourite song?" And, it's, and I always avoid that question because it's kind of like oh, it just depends on the day and the mood and all of that. So, yeah, I I I enjoyed and struggled with this one because it is like trying to choose your favourite child, isn't it? Really? Oh, for sure, for sure. But I was—I'm gonna admit—I
0: was. I'm, <laughs> gonna admit, I was, uh, I'm lucky because I. Uh Well, because I asked, I said that's what we're going to do this week. Because I was listening to some music and I was like, "Yeah, this is definitely on my desert island." Oh, that I should. So I was kind of inspired. Anyway,
1: fair play. play. So before we go into this, yeah, and we need to get into it because we've got basically twenty albums to go through. Some of which we'll mention just very briefly, and we'll do like a playlist on. And some we'll have to. We're going to talk about in a little bit more detail. But how have you approached this, right? Because obviously. we're really into guitar playing, right? So yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a viewpoint to look at this from purely seminal pieces of guitar work or tone. Yeah. And then there's kind of like the other flip side of it, which is just bookmarks and milestones in your life, right? Yeah, which is- yeah. The other, the other the great nostalgia. thing about music, isn't it? Yeah, nostalgia, memories—be they happy, be they sad, yeah. be they commemorative, whatever. Yeah, you know, sometime. Anyway, I, I was just interested by that, and I, as I was going through this list, I was like, man, I could create a, a create a different list for each one. But this isn't the point. The point is, you've only got f- space yeah. five albums as you wash up on a desert island in your kit bag. So, yeah. Approach it how you will, I guess. Hmm. Mm.
0: Yeah. So you're absolutely right. Mine, mine's definitely a mixture.
1: You're rethinking of, your list. Now.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So mine's definitely a, a mixture of, um, of of nostalgia, things I love, things I want to hear. There's a lot of stuff in there that I can talk about at a quite a you know a kind of cognitive level about tone and about why I think musically i think i'd want to listen to that but really at the end of the day when it comes to it this is stuff i've i've loved for a long time that um i i get a huge amount of listening pleasure out of now in the present and gives me a lot of memories um and reminds me of a lot of things in my life memories you know where the music came from that are important to me it's it's all those things about music that and guitar playing and guitar sounds and the sound of people making music you know that's Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. that's the very basis of I think every choice really in in my list um love it it's kind of like a melting pot of all those things beautiful man beautiful
1: yeah I think I've gone similar I think I've gone similar
0: all right, right. Well, let's do, let's do a quick rundown of uh, ten to six. Okay, I'm going to start. Here's my it. ten to six. Okay. Right. So uh, number ten, go. Okay. BB King okay. live at the Regal. Okay, beautiful. Number nine. This will surprise you. Um, George Michael, listen without prejudice. Great, great album. Yeah. Number eight, uh, Toto Four. <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> number seven, Michael Jackson's Bad. Oh, I wasn't thinking you were gonna go for bad, but yeah, yeah. equally yeah. epic. Album. I prefer I prefer bad to thriller. I'm, a, I'm much yeah, yeah, yeah. A, for me, it's a better. I had more number ones, um, and then number six, Eric Clapton's from the Cradle. I wouldn't oh. take that one. That gets tipped oh. by something. Else. Oh. <laughs> oh mate, there we go. That's mate. my ten to six.
1: What a list. And I'd love to spend a session talking about all of those in 10 because they are fantastic, <laughs> yeah. fantastic choices, man. I would quite happily, if I was washed up on a desert island with just those five, I'd still be, ha- I'd still oh, be really actually,
0: happy. yes, me too, to be fair. Do you know?
1: I'd still be really happy. Great, great choices. And I forgot <laughs> George Michael, man. I used to fall asleep listening to George Michael when I was, yeah, a teenager. Anyway, different different, different conversation. Right, are you ready? <laughs> Make for, a good for job, i going to. Not with George Michael. <laughs> George Michael, it's a difference. <laughs> wasn't being groomed by an 80s pop icon. Uh, Move on. Move <laughs> on. That, that I know of. Uh, right, okay. Here we go. Right, so um, coming in at number 10. This one probably will surprise you. It's a bit of a random one, but this was just a, such a seminal album in my youth. Uh, Counting Crows, August and Everything oh, yeah. After.
0: That, I love that album just. too. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, Coming in at my number nine, uh, again, just every track is a brilliant, brilliant piece of musicianship and songmanship. Great songs. Are You Gonna Go My Way, Lenny Kravitz. Mm-hmm. Love mm-hmm. that album. Bravo. Love Bravo. that album. Next one, um, very much of, of my teenage years again and just reminds me of, of Headbanging with My Friends. There's a lot <laughs> of songs on there like that. And that's the album Ten by Pearl Jam. Ooh. And then coming in at what would be my number six.
0: Sorry to interrupt this conversation. However, if you're a regular listener, then you should definitely come and join us on our Facebook group, the Guitar Geek Hangout. Go and join the Guitar Geek Hangout on Facebook now before you carry on with the podcast. Eric Clapton from The Cradle. No way! I kid
1: you not, I kid you not And I wrestled with this And I tell you what, this morning After I did this school run with the kids I listened to it, just to, just to double check And that opening like tone on Blues Before Sunrise Is oh, visceral it, is, it? It, it hit me to my core And I was like, yeah. no, this has got to, this has got to make the, the, the island This is just obscenely good And yeah. I started flicking through the rest of the tracks And I was like, this album is just... Epic, yeah. And I can't believe it missed out, but yeah. it did. It did. And there'll be a lot of people shouting going, that should have been on the list,
0: chaps. Maybe, maybe. I think, well, right. I don't care because I'm happy with what I've got. <laughs> All on right. My five. And I think some <laughs> of them go. are obvious. I think some of them are, I think a lot of our listeners, maybe yourself as well, Kieran might find my choices fairly. You know, if you've listened to our podcast before, I think there's, there's some obvious choices, but I don't care. I'm going to talk about them because I Same. love them. So, no, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I think so too. I think I think you are going to see some predictable choices, but they are predictable for me because I we've probably talked about them before on the podcast, and think that probably says something insofar as these are probably for us evergreen albums, albums sure. that have stood the test of time. You can keep revisiting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course you can overlisten to and need a rest from it, but. But still, you keep yeah. coming back to them, and there's there's a reason for that, for sure. Um, which is why I think I've chosen this list.
0: Yeah, I think one of the key things for me is uh, my five. If there's anything that's that's um, that's consistent about them, is it, I think they all kind of either raise the bar or hit hit the top standard for um, kind of musical performance, musicians' performance. Mm-hmm. You know, just. Mm-hmm. Everything about them was just top class. Um superlative musical performance. So um and that's what I love the most about music. For me, I've always said this. I I've, I've realized as I, you know, have grown older, as you as you kind of when you're a kid, you kind of talk about what music you're into. I'm into blues, I'm into rock, whatever like that. For me mm. it all mm. it all boils down to the same thing, which is I love any music that sounds mm. like musicians in a room. Playing yeah. together and enjoying playing and playing off of each other. If it sounds like mm-hmm. like people making music, then I love it, you know. Um, that's oh, my favourite kind of thing. So, um okay, I'm gonna kick off. First album choice for me. This is a Desert Island disc. Um mm-hmm. it's and I reckon this is predictable, but it's Sting Ten Summoners oh. Tales. Nice. Yeah. Tell, tell me why. I mean, great album, man. There's a number of reasons. Great. It's a bit of a nostalgic album for me. This is like one of the first albums I ever owned. In fact, I think my dad bought it on tape um, and I used to love listening to it. It would get played in the car a lot. Um, the songs are just incredible. The The production mm. is like nothing else. It's so slick, so beautifully performed. And everything just feels so kind of coherent. I don't know if you kind of know what I mean. It's like the sound, the sound of everything in that album is so cl- clean, but it doesn't mm-hmm. sound overproduced. It's mm-hmm. it's fantastic. It's so high in information, like harmonic information. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of my favourite things about it is, you know, one of the things I love about Sting really is is that he's not afraid to do quite Complex things with his music, um, not not afraid to kind of push the boundaries. I mean, three other songs on that album are in odd time signatures. You know, yes, love is love is, yeah. love is stronger than was it? Love is stronger than justice. I think, which is like a country one that's in seven eight for the most part. Mm-hmm. Seven days is in five four. Saint Augustine in Hell is in seven eight as well. You know, who does that? Who does that anymore? Who? Who music anymore decides to do things in odd, odd metres and, and make it really work? I mean, Seven Days feels oh, so mate. natural. The groove is incredible. Doesn't it? But, but it's in 5-4. Um, That's um, insane. And then he also does a It's Probably Me on this, which he'd actually oh. released the year before this album came out. The first recording of that was, it was written with Eric Clapton and Michael Kamen and David Sandborn, mm-hmm. and they'd done it for, I think, a Lethal Weapon film. Um, That's right, and then he re-recorded it in um, for for this album. Um, but the first chord of that song is actually like a it's a minor major chord. It's a, it's a chord with uh, the minor third in it and the major seventh. Which yeah. again, so this is he's he's taking chords out of the melodic minor scale now, not the major scale. And Mm -hmm. starting it with this really kind of, it sounds like it's the James Bond chord kind of thing. And then as the verse progresses, it goes back into the major seven. Um, and I was like, this, this, this album is like this all the way through. It's so full (laughs) of, it's so full of harmonic information, but he still makes it all work with this pop sensibility that just, I I don't think anybody else does that. You know, maybe Stevie Wonder, um, Jacob Collier these days is maybe like that. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I just, it's astounding to me that, you know, somebody can do that with their music is to keep it so interesting harmonically and still make it listenable pop music that would work on the radio. I can listen that's to crazy. that album all the way through every day, no problem. And just always feel like I'm interested, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's, that's the first one for me staying 10 Summoners Tales.
1: Well, mate, great, great choice. I mean, Shape of My Heart is just oh. a, an epic, epic song. Yeah, uh, off the uh, used as part of the soundtrack for the film Leon. Yeah, which um, was where I first heard that track, and then obviously accessed that album yeah. through that. And then, yeah, you're right. It's probably me featured. I think all the way through those Lethal Weapon films, that that Clapton tone and 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 lick on that is 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 from from that album. Yeah. Um, yeah, great choice, man. What an album. What an album. Cool, man. Right. Over to you. Right, buddy. Mine is going to be a predictable one. I'm afraid for my first choice, but it is, it is because it, it is an evergreen album for me. Uh, it's a modern classic. Uh, every track on it is, is brilliant. And each track you can listen to from a guitarist perspective and nerd out on the guitar and what's going on, or you can choose to completely ignore that and just listen to the song because it's a great, pop song and and so i love i love that different ways to access that album depending on what what mood you're in mm-hmm. and that's continuum by um john mayer oh, which is
0: yeah
1: you know it's it's had a huge influence on on i think probably both our kind of playing o- over the years at least in terms of drawing bits of inspiration and and kind of yeah figuring out what he's doing and covering some of these songs but yeah and, and there's so many quintessential John Mayer test of time tracks on there which i just i i wonder when i'll get bored of them um and yeah. yet i don't yeah and yet i don't yeah it, it's it's staggering so yeah any just, particular the album. off that album oh mate well so um gravity obviously holds a special place in my heart yeah. it's um it was the song That I used to sing my eldest son to sleep with when he was Mm. a baby because, you know, you know what it's like when you're a new parent, you're desperately trying to get these kids off to sleep. And when they're that young, you know, it's normal. But I refused to sing nursery rhymes. I didn't refuse to sing nursery rhymes. I occasionally did. But time (laughs) and time again, the song that made him just drift off to sleep was Gravity. Yeah. And... And that lasted for the early years of his life to the point where that song is, is now one of his favorite songs. Now he's 10 years old. So 10 years later, but he still remembers that song as one of the songs from his very younger years. Yeah. And. He won't remember, obviously, being back to a baby when I used to sing him to sleep. But it's 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 that it's that kind of monumental for him as a song and and for me. And bloody hell, if I could sing that every night and still not get bored of it, well,
0: there you
1: go. <laughs> whilst tired as a parent of a newborn baby, I think that probably says something about <laughs> about that song. Um, so yeah, I think you know that's that's an epic song. Slow dancing as well. I mean, that's become my test track for testing out position four on any single chord guitar, just to see what that says something in itself, right? A song that has now become the test track
0: yeah, yeah. for
1: try for trying out any any strap type guitar to see how it sounds in that position. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's that's a, that's a pretty
0: cool. That thing. might so, be a perfect yeah. song. It might be one of a handful of. <laughs> Um, perfectly written songs for which i think there are only a few ever um that might be up there on the list potentially again it's it's there incredible i love that album too it's not actually on my list um i do love that album i actually credit that album with with reigniting my love for guitar back in about 2006 oh, when yes. it came out around that time oh, i was yeah. after i'd finished music college i decided not yeah. To be a musician as a full-time career, I wanted to go back into engineering because mm. I decided mm. that if I thought, if I become a musician as a job, actually I might end up not loving playing guitar anymore. And, and mm. you know, um, because it becomes a chore and I have to take gigs that I don't want to take to earn money. And mm. that's what I was worried about. And I thought I'd rather keep it something I love. Um mm. And I kind of went off the boil after spending three years just full-time studying guitar. And then it was getting into John Mayer and listening to that album that made me think, no, it's, it's still okay to be a guitarist. It's still like, (laughs) basically. Wow. Wow. Yeah.
1: Wow. That's pretty profound, man. But I, I remember, I'd forgotten, but I remember you telling me that story before now, now that you've said it and, um, Oh, that makes that album even more special. I mean, there's a there's a track on there called "Stop This Train," which yeah. I keep revisiting. It's such a philosophical piece of songwriting, yeah. really tastefully done, talking about about life and and you know the inevitability of, of this journey that we're on i mean there's some great there's some great stuff and, and and love or hate john mayer as an individual yeah and and his his kind of well-famed ego and 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 all of that kind of stuff that that guy can play guitar and can and can write a really meaningful song so yeah, yeah there you go it's got it's got to, it's got to come it's got to come to the island it's got to come to the island
0: yeah <laughs> Fantastic. Excellent choice, mate. So my next choice is a a probably predictable one considering Clapton from the cradle, isn't mm-hmm. there? But this is the album that got me playing guitar and it's unplugged. Clapton. Clapton unplugged. Um nice. But nineteen ninety-three, I think my Great dad got album. it on CD probably the year after. <laughs> it was it was his record collection. He had Slow Hand in his record collection. That was that's what yeah. made me interested in guitar. Not listening to it, looking at it, because it's just the picture of blackie pretty much right him holding black I'm like, that's uh-huh. cool um uh-huh. and then he got clapped and unplugged and listened to that and it's just the thing that astounds me about that album is it's it's one of probably one of the greatest selling albums of all time it's a mm. single performance yeah you know, that's it clapped and unplugged wasn't a tour it wasn't something like that mm. it was something that he did with mtv recorded in one afternoon at a I think Bray Studios. Place um, in, in Windsor, wasn't it? Or that's Bray, right, yeah. yeah, near Maidenhead or Windsor, uh, or yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, and it was just one gig, just one shot. Um, and everyone's playing is incredible. I love Clapton's solos and, and stuff. He's his fi- There's a fire in his playing, which is hard to kind of put your finger on it. And I think it comes out the most in Old Love when he does that incredible yeah. guitar solo. But Absolutely. what I love about it is everyone's playing is so fantastic. You know, Chuck Lavelle's piano playing is just yeah. just stunning the whole time you're listening to that album. Um, it's just a perfect performance of those songs, perfectly instrumented, sounds brilliant. It, it's, it, it was clearly done to the perfect sized audience as well, you know, because the size of the audience in the recording feels appropriate for the way the music feels. It's just, a for me, it's just a, a perfect and favorite songs of that for me are Old Love Layla Alberta, yeah. I think um just so it's just perfect again one I could listen to front to back no problem
1: I can't believe it didn't make it to my my <laughs> 10 10 list Again, and I did think about didn't it not
0: make to mind so yeah, I think we're equal there
1: And I did think about it for all the reasons that you mentioned my dad had um the Crossroads double album of Eric Clapton growing up and which I loved and then when this came out um I watched it. I just watched it on on MTV and had a VHS copy of it that I soon wore out. And just accessing Layla in that way and hearing it done that way, that then became, I know it's sacrilege to say, but it became my quintessential version of Layla versus the original Derek and the Dominos recording, which I know is is kind of it's like a, a strange thing to say. And then that version of Old Love, I still prefer to the original album version of it just because it's so beautifully played. Mm. And that album for me is one of my absolute go-to albums for testing up the setup of a hi-fi in terms mm. of soundstage mm. and the placement of the musician so that when you close your eyes, you can almost see that scene of where those different uh, instrumentalists are positioned in that soundstage yeah. in front of you. Yeah. And it also helps me EQ the speakers in terms of um, the the tonality of the acoustic guitars because... Yeah without getting too into it. it, you can angle your speakers in a certain way to create the right kind of balance and, and room reflections. But um, the, the, the sound of his acoustic guitar is is such a way on that um, album that you can test a hi-fi and see if those speakers are reproducing it faithfully or not. And maybe that's just because I've listened to that album so many times that I know how as a reference track, I want certain songs to sound, but um, to the point where I can, Tweak a hi-fi just based on a couple of those tracks and go. Okay, I I know how I need to move the speakers now to make to make it sound better. Yeah. So yeah,
0: yeah, man. That's 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 so true because it it is sonically beautiful as an album, isn't it? Not just the songs and the performances. Sonically, it's beautiful.
1: It is. It's really nice, and and it gives that sense of it's it's the track that it's the album that I use to test live recordings and sound stages. It's, It's really good. Really cool. Right man, great choice, buddy. Hit it, great number choice. two, please. Okay, so you said that your last track was the one that got you into playing guitar, yeah. And, and uh, Eric Clapton's Unplug did get me playing more more guitar, but it wasn't the album that got me playing guitar. And this album was. And you're going to go, wow, that's quite a quite a uh, radical one to start playing guitar <laughs> too. Uh, uh, but there's so much that I like about this album, um, and and it came at a point in my life where. Up until that point, I'd been predominantly listening to, not a bad thing, but I'd been predominantly listening to, to overt pop music. I was a huge Michael Jackson fan, Phil Collins fan, just kind of tried and tested 80s uh, kind of pop music by, by, by great artists nonetheless, but this was an awakening album for me in the early 90s, mm-hmm. 1991, I believe, and that's Metallica's Black Album. And it, it came out, Under this, this, I'd I'd heard of Metallica up until that point, Mm. but I was a young, I was a young kid, right, still. So I hadn't really accessed their back catalogue at that point. I've been listening to to mostly pop music, as I said, but this album came out and, and it was a more mainstream album for them. So then you started getting the MTV music videos that were some of the more iconic videos in themselves. And then this album, the reason I really accessed it and fell in love with it was because it all... It also was released, I don't know if it, it, I, at the same time, but but shortly afterwards with a, with a making of documentary called A Year and a Half in the Life of Metallica. Hmm. And it documents every single step of the journey of them creating that album, figuring out their guitar tones in the studio, the arrangements of these songs, working with a producer, struggling to write guitar solos, and then getting to the point where they're mastering it, and then starting to perform it live and it goes goes into shops. And that whole end-to-end process of watching an album go from ideas on a tape recorder to arguments in a studio, to agonizing over how this song should be and what it should eventually turn out to look like to them watching it be played on world stages. And then knowing that these songs became epic in, in themselves. That, as a young kind of teenager, I just was just like, absolutely en- enamored with, to the point where I was like, I want to play guitar. And all that I had access to at the time not, you know, uh, was, a, was a nylon-strung classical guitar mm. that I'd learned a couple of, couple of um, very basic fingerstyle classical pieces to, but then it sat in the corner like most kids. It kind of didn't, didn't inspire me at that point. And one of my friends who was a very good guitarist, even at that age, had the tab book. There was no YouTube videos. There was no online learning or instruction mm. or anything like that. He had the, the, the tab, um, official tab book of the Metallica Black album. So I had that. I had it on CD because I had a CD player by then. And I had this nylon strong classical guitar and I learned how to read tab with that book. And learned how to play guitar by going through track by track and just learning it on a on a nylon strung guitar, and mm. it and it was and it was tough, but it was equally rewarding as well. And and I, and I remember just spending hours and hours and hours and days and days popping yeah. through, trying to figure out how how tab worked, and pausing on the CD player to, to get little bits of it. And obviously, yeah. there is only so far you can get on a on an acoustic uh, nylon strung guitar with it. It was good
0: fun, nonetheless. Yeah. I love that. Uh, do you remember the feeling of of finally nailing something that you had been trying yeah. to copy just by yeah. ear or from tab and just thinking it doesn't sound yeah. like the album yet and then you'd get it. The, the, oh, it's like you, the feeling was unbelievable, wasn't it? It's like you're discovering something for the first time. It's For sure, man.
1: And there's a track on that album, which is
0: <clears throat> probably my
1: favourite track of the album, which is called The Unforgiven. And that has as its intro this fingerstyle um, repeating motif I think over, a, a it's like a A minor type arpeggio thing and that is I think played on the original album on a nylon strong classical before mm-hmm. the big heavy riffs kick in. Mm-hmm. So that track and having had a very rudimentary introduction to fingerstyle classical p- guitar playing enabled me to then access that song or at least the intro of it and have that moment that you're talking about where I was like Oh, I'm playing something and it sounds like what's on the CD, yeah. and I kind of get how to play it because I, I, you know, my fingers had had practiced that kind of technique a little bit. Yeah. So, and then the rest, the rest was just like, okay, wow, feed me more, give yeah. me more. What else can I do?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, that's right. a great choice, man. I love that album too. That's fantastic. There's so many epic rock tracks on there. So many great riffs, great guitar solos on there. Um. Yeah man, fantastic. Non more black Bob Rock. than the black Bob album. Rock
1: producer again.
0: Bob Rock, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Turned the bass guitar down a bit too much maybe, but <laughs> That was the big thing. That's a whole different story. Yeah, that's, that's a whole, whole different story. Yeah, you could write a book on the arguments, couldn't you, about that of the years, Jason. Well, Jason Newstead, wasn't it? Yeah. Hated the fact that you couldn't yeah, hear Jason the bass guitar on... on,
1: on uh, no. well, I know. Well, maybe didn't. Well, then, then there's the follow-up documentary, isn't there, called uh, Some Kind of Monster, yeah. which is obviously de- decades later. But that, if you haven't watched it, uh, dear listeners, it's on Netflix. Um, but again, that's a great documentary yeah. just to, to watch, like auditioning a new bass player for, for the world-renowned Metallica mm. and integrating them and that whole band story and, you know, mm. the decades after the Black Album. I'm going to have to watch that again. It's great. Yeah, I mean, I, I love, I've I love, seen I love, that. It's cracking.
0: I love that. Okay. Yeah, I do. it's cool, man. Nice. Let's move on. Well, next one for me. It couldn't be further away from Metallica if you try but it's still it's it's one of my favorite albums of all time. I love listening to this. It's uh The Royal Scam by Steely Dan. Um oh, I just it's no. just incredible as an album. Not just from a performance point of view, the songs are just immense. Everything is again it's like it's mm. everything's mm. really high in information, you know, harmonically, you know, instrumentation-wise, the sounds, the choices of instruments, the the way everything's produced, it's so full of information and yet every song is full of hook after hook after hook. And um mm-hmm. it just makes it, it actually sometimes listen to it and it makes me sad that mainstream music <laughs> isn't like this anymore because I think mainstream music um I think panders to people a little bit too much. I think most mainstream music is the same mm-hmm. three or four chord sequences thrown together, three minutes, you know, on the radio make some money, be popular. It's more, it's more trying to appeal to everyone. And I think that's not fair. I I think people can take more than that. Most people can, you know, if you can enjoy listening to Stevie Wonder, then you can enjoy listening to more complex music than what's being fed to you on the radio now. And because he was so great at doing complex things. And this is the same with the Royal Scam. It's so high on harmonic information and yet there's great performances Poetic lyrics everywhere, funny lyrics, dark lyrics. It, everything's really, really excellent. Great guitar solos all over the album.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe
0: the greatest mm-hmm. guitar solo of all time from Kid Charlemagne. Kid Charlemagne. Larry yeah. Carlton. <laughs> Don't Take Me Alive. Haitian Divorce is fantastic. That's Dean Parks. Caves of Altamira has got a fantastic sax solo in it, and the groove is ridiculous. The, the, the list of personnel on this album reads like a Session Musicians Hall of Fame mm. from the 70s. Mm. Michael McDonald, Larry Carlton, Dean Parks, Elliot Randall, Chuck Rainey, Bernard Purdy, Timothy B. Schmidt, before he joined the Eagles, Rick Marotta, and that's just that's just basically drums, bass, and guitar, and Michael McDonald, a bit of backing vocals. There's probably twice as many as that of other legendary session players who were on horns and things like that. Um, it's just, it's it is possibly a perfect album for me. It's so beautifully produced. The songs, I love all of them. Um, yeah. I, again, another one. I could listen to that album front to back. No problem. Not skipping a thing. It's perfect.
1: Mate. I need to do that. That's why I love these conversations. Yeah. Kid Charlemagne, obviously I know, but, Actually, this album, there's so many tracks you've mentioned that I'm like, oh, I think I know that one or, or maybe I don't. And so that's one that I'm just going to go and listen to. I mean, that's it from you. That's a glowing recommendation. There's an album that you can sit and listen to from start to finish. And I, I do know some other Steely Down albums better than this one. And, and they they do have that challenge that they've set themselves of trying to integrate what is almost kind of like complex kind of jazz stuff but with rock in a way that is engaging and yes. and musical and it is it's equally challenging and rewarding to listen to because it it makes you for me it makes me concentrate when I'm listening but in a good way it's yeah. not stuff I would just have on in the background I don't think it's stuff that I just when I'm in the mood for listening to something and and being entertained that's the kind of stuff that that these guys churn out and i and i agree with you there needs to be more space for that kind of stuff um but i guess you know for, for some people it's 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 too much it's 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 too complex mm. to to kind of get get their heads around um when i put some stuff like that on and toto stuff and some of the tedeschi truck stuff and things like that my wife immediately comments. she's like i love your music taste but some stuff is just like it's just for musicians only because this is just too it's it's, yeah. it's too intricate it's yeah. too much
0: yeah, good. Go, really? good, it's for us only, so? we're in that special I don't club. Get, I don't hear it, I don't hear
1: that, I don't hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, good, get out, close the door, <laughs> I'm listening. Yeah. <laughs> off you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah so put the kettle on, that's an insight into my marriage, sorry.
0: Man. Right. <laughs> right, we, we, <laughs> let's, let's pick up some speed, let's get through these last few. Let's. let's. In the next ten. us And uh let cool. Right. What's next? For well, you? I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna bucket I'm gonna bucket my next two together okay. then because they sit under a theme right. of for me chasing tone and tracks that are huge bookmarks in my life in, 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 in equal measure, right? Yeah. But but probably more probably more about chasing tone. Okay. I would say, okay. so the next two albums that I have spent a lifetime just get, just feeling so emotive about the guitar tones on these albums. One is Appetite for Destruction, obviously by Guns N' Roses, <sighs> and the other is Texas, Texas Flood by Stevie Ray Vaughan. Yeah, I mean, clearly two different genres, but I think arguably for me, the quintessential representation of those genres, like all out rock. For me, is appetite for destruction, a JCM 800 or Silver Jubilee Marshall cranked to to breaking point with a with a with a Les Paul, you know, <clears throat> driving it. Incredible, inc- incredible riffs, incredible motifs, like Evergreen songs that still to this day that you know it, when we cover them in in a band or whatever, the crowd goes nuts for it. People still love these songs decades later. My son's, as you know, playing guitar and. He's just devouring the back catalog of Guns and Roses, but this album is just on constant repeat in his room because he just loves it, and that says something mm. i mean obviously i I've introduced him to it, but I haven't forced it you on know. him, and I listen to such a range of stuff he's picked it for himself mm-hmm. and gone there's something in this album that that I love and and all those rock songs are just just amazing, just amazing quintessential rock songs, but it's that guitar tone it is that no nonsense. Fairly simplistic rig mm-hmm. and just that, that focus on all-out rock um, that I love about that album. And, and Texas Flood, similar comments, right? For me, the quintessential blues album, like debut album of this this blues trio out of Texas with this this now legendary blues artist who sadly no longer with us but had left this legend of, you know, some of it might be complete kind of urban legend but, you know, played 13s on a strap with a high action and these wound up, you know, supposedly clean amps like the basement that you drove with a Tube Screamer. That I've never been able to get a Tube Screamer to, to do something like that. And just the bends and the visceral playing. And yeah, just for me, it's still electric listening to Texas Flood, um, even though... It is 12-bar blues, right? I mean, it it couldn't get, you know, as a juxtaposition to what we just talked about with Steely Dan, it couldn't get more simplistic, and yet the whole album of effectively 12-bar blues numbers, with maybe the exception of of Lenny, which takes a bit of a departure into a more melodic, ambient kind of thing... It's twelve. Bar, it's just visceral 12-bar blues, mm-hmm. track after track after track, and yet each one sounds fresh and different, and the guitar tone, man, you know, how many guitar players globally chase chase Stevie Ray's oh, tone on, on that album? You so, have to be
0: Stevie Ray to get that tone. And this is the worst thing. People will spend all their lives trying to chase the right rig and everything to get Stevie's tone, and yet you could probably hand Stevie a Squire Strat and a Marshall <laughs> Valstead and he'll sound closer. You know, because it's yeah. it's just in Pretty him. Enough. It was that album is an outpouring. That's what I love about Texas yeah. Flood. It's this outpouring of this is my first album. I've got this choice to do it. Um, just all mm-hmm. this stuff I've been doing for since I was a kid and going out gigging and, and putting my own band together. I'm going to pour it out onto this album. It's, it is just incredible. Um Again, another one I wish I had in my list as well. Maybe it, it is awesome good choice. it's a tough choice it was a tough choice between from the cradle and texas flood but
1: in terms of the biggest impact on my life and m- my playing was was texas flood for sure yeah. For sure. Yeah. as well as appetite and and all those rock riffs and and you know i walked i walked down the aisle to sweet child of mine albeit an acoustic beautiful mm. ambient arrangement of it you know so that song keeps keeps coming back time and time again and every weekend with my, with my band playing it live and same so, yeah Fantastic. Um, two two great albums about chasing tone for me there beautiful that's
0: beautiful right i'm going to th- i'm going to bunch my last two together you've still got another one after that haven't you i've got one more one left one more. Yeah. right okay so last two for me van halen 2 the second van halen nice. album again main reason and it's quite nostalgic for me because we used to play that in the music store that i worked in on saturdays when i was younger um I mean, that used to get played front to back on repeat all the time, mainly because I think it's the only thing he had in the shop at the time. But it was awesome. <laughs> yeah. I used to love listening to that. Just this raw rock performance. There's some overdubs in there, but in general, yeah. it's basically a live album. Um, I, think Dave Lee, I think it's Dave Lee Roth's best vocals ever on an album mm. for me. Absolutely incendiary singing and, and one of the best rock voices of all time, I think. I think it's mm-hmm, the best mm-hmm. Van Halen record for me, but other people will disagree. Some people prefer later Van Halen, some of the more complex stuff, some of the darker stuff, but that was their best for me. That was off the back of their first album, And but there's still that young band waiting for success kind of thing. Um, the martial tone from from Van Halen, just unbelievable. Favourite was songs.
1: It a was it a plexi? Ju- was it a jumped plexi, plexi that plexi, which yeah. used? A,
0: we used a variac to, to reduce the voltage going into the amp right. so that everything right. saturated sooner because it had less headroom. Mm. The, the end circuit mm. had less headroom, but it would kill the valves quicker. So it would be changing yeah. valves almost every game. Who cares, man? That's <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. no, you couldn't. You couldn't. Mind, you are too expensive. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Say, again, <laughs> get a modeler. But still, um, favourite songs. <laughs> No vowels in it's, not at even
1: su- <laughs> it's, not, it's not even subliminal anymore. It's just shouting at people, get a it's modeler, it. get a modeler. Yeah, <laughs> you
0: know, be- Favourite songs for me, Dance the Night Away, Light Up the Sky, Somebody Get Me a Doctor. Um, nice. Just amazing tracks. And then number five for me is Abbey Road by The Beatles. Um, oh, of course. I think it's their best album, Pound for Pound. I think also the great thing about it, it's McCartney and Harrison at their best. You know, Harrison, mm. I think, only wrote... Two songs for the Beatles, or only had two. And they're both on that album, Something in the Way She Moves and... Um here Comes the Sun and I think the two I love that of the of the most downloaded I mean Here Comes the Sun has over a billion listens on Spotify um, beautiful song yeah absolutely brilliant some of my best favourite bass playing ever McCartney's in the pocket so much with his bass playing <laughs> and next time you listen to Abbey Road if, you, if you've if you got it on vinyl or anything if you, and you sit at home and you think I'm going to listen to Abbey Road just tune in to the bass just think I'm going to listen to Paul McCartney's bass play and you'll be stunned he's in the pocket with Ringo all the time amazing i think it's their best album lyrically um i think yeah favorite songs are probably just like the entire second side or the, or the last side which is like the medley because like all the last five or six songs from abbey road pretty much just run as a medley one into the other it's like sun king mean mr mustard polythene Pam, she came In Through the bathroom window golden slumbers carry that away in the end all those songs they run into each other as a medley and it just, if you just listen to that whole thing through, it's fantastic. That's just another album, again, I could listen to front to back, no problem. Starts with Come Together. And Come Together, if you remember, whenever we we used to play Come Together in Roadrunner, or if you play it now, the guitar's playing the riff, right? Mm. You're playing Doom, Doom, Doodle, Yeah. It doesn't, that's not the album. Mm. The album. It's McCartney. Yeah, it's Bass. McCartney's playing the riff. He's carrying the yeah, hook. Yeah, it's Bass. Originally. Do you know what? Yeah. The only other song. Yeah. Um, that uh, I can think of where the bass guitar plays the hook is "Ain't No Doubt" by Jimmy Nail. <laughs> Do you remember that song? We <laughs> <laughs> can't use those two
1: songs in the same sentence. There's no, no, there's you no. can't. But it's the only other yeah. song I can think of yeah.
0: where it's the bass guitar. Oh no, the no.
1: Hook. There's the um, what's that? What's that one with? Uh, I don't know if it's the actual hook now. So I might be. I might go down the wrong wrong alleyway with this one. What's that Pino Palladino track that he played for? Um, that pop song Wherever I Lay My Hat
0: yeah there's that one Uh, and also Paul Young's uh, it was Paul Young wasn't it and uh, he also did um, uh, what was the other one Um, I don't know I can't remember the name of the song I'll have to look at but yeah Pino Palladino in the 80s with his fretless bass that's right Um, yeah yeah. there you go yeah (laughs) Wherever I Lay My Hat Every Time You Go Away as well that was it Every Time You Go Away there we go. But anyway, Matt, that's my, that's my albums. And uh, yeah, you've got a minute to talk about your last album. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm going to do it in 30 seconds, buddy. So this one is is for me one that I am still discovering. Um, and really? it's one that I'm going to take with me as one which I have a feeling is going to be with me for the rest of my oh. life because it is that good. And, and it has special memories for me as well uh, already. Uh, and the album is Maverick the deluxe edition by King King oh man uh, which I just can't stop listening to at the moment it's been my album of this year even though it came out a couple of years ago but um, as I said I'm still discovering on it it's discovering tracks on it and accessing them, yeah. you know, in, in early listening and just going, oh, man, this is such a great song. I've been a fan of the Nemo Brothers and um, Alan Nemo for a while in King King. I've seen King King live a number of times. Mm. I mean, this is like their f- fifth album or sixth album or something like that. Yeah. I forget, forget the number, but we're, we're well into their catalogue now. But this one for me is a real culmination of incredible guitar playing. Mature musicianship and songwriting, not being afraid to take a bit of a departure from out and out blues stuff and write some really genuine pop rock blues songs, which, you know, mixing all of that in a, in a, in a great way is ticking all my boxes. Guitar tone for days. Um it's got a fond memory that it's it's one of the first gigs that I went to post-COVID lockdown and got to go there with yeah, me, mate and uh and and demo. Um and it was an amazing night an amazing yes. venue and and the musicianship live was every bit um, you know, worth waiting to go out after COVID and, and see a gig. So yeah, man, I just think it's a great, great album with some beautiful tracks on it. So go and listen to Maverick King King, but that's coming
0: to the island with me, buddy. <laughs> they're so good. They're, they're the best they've ever been. They're so mature now. Um, that album is is absolutely beautifully produced. I like that album as well, Maverick. I've got that in my um, collection on Spotify as like one of my go-to albums as well. I think it's fantastic. That's a great choice. I didn't expect that as well. I don't know why. I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe because they're not up there in the mainstream but you know absolutely still an incredible album beautifully produced and a great performance again the sound of people in a room playing instruments together yeah feeding in off each other, of and yeah man fantastic choice excellent stuff
1: what a great chat today. I've loved it, man. And you know what? It's given me something to do this evening. Yeah. To sit down and go through through some of your choices and go, oh, yeah, he was right. That's yeah, a man. great
0: album. I mean, you grab yourself a single <laughs> malt, sit down, or a rum, or whatever, and enjoy a bit of Steely Dan later on and just, you know. <laughs> Check out some of the performances It's like the second track, Caves of Altamira. The, it's all about the groove. Bernard Purdy's drumming on that is absolutely just ridiculous. Just so good. Just grooving. Just fantastic track. And I think if you, all our listeners as well, you know, go and check these albums out if you haven't listened to them before. You might find something that you you love for years to come. Um, so enjoy. And also come to the Guitar Geek hangout and tell us what your five Desert Island Discs are as well so maybe yeah. we can find some new ones to love also great idea love that brilliant mate well i'll sit i'll see you soon my friend see soon. and i really enjoyed today absolutely <laughs> me too mate anyway all the best buddy take care of yourself see you on the next one Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, then why not give the rest of our shows a good listen too. And if you love our podcast and are a regular listener who wants to support the show even more, consider buying us a coffee over on our Buy Me A Coffee page. Anyway, best wishes. See you next time on the Guitar Sports Podcast.